While You Were Folding, Episode 31, Holiday Mental Health. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Are Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things. Marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 10 years and a mother for 8. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And Advent will be just a couple of weeks after that. Please bring healing to all of those families that have strained relationships. Bring peace and comfort to all those for whom this season is often painful. Help all of us to remember that you are the reason for our joy. Draw us ever closer to you. And give us hearts that are full of love and full of gratitude for all of the gifts that you give us. Especially the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. And help us to focus on our blessings and all of the reasons that we have to give thanks. Especially as we approach thanksgiving. Please soften and transform our hearts so that we can help others to do the same. We pray these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, listeners, we have a lot of catching up to do. We have had, well, I had an unintentional break there for a couple of weeks. I had a couple of things come up. And it'll all make sense in a couple of minutes. But let's go back to last episode, episode 30, called Shine a Light. I got a lot of really great feedback from all of you. Um, I thought it was a fun chance to highlight some of the wonderful things that have been happening in our parish family. And most of you said that the stories, especially the one about the second grader named Aiden getting to ring the bells during benediction and Jane's class her third grade class making me a spiritual bouquet left some of you sobbing, but I hope, (laughs) I hope it was the good kind of crying. I know, um, those stories meant a lot to me, but going forward, it's my hope to share your shine a light stories. And I want to hear about all of the awesome things that you're seeing happening in your local community. So if you can think of a positive story, maybe you have a great pastor or a teacher, a neighbor, or a friend, and there's something that's been a blessing to you, your family, or your community that you really want to shine a light on, I think we could all use stories like that right now. Um, So if you have one and you'd like to share it with me and the audience, please email me your shine a light story. You can email them to podcast at katherineboucher.com. 
the other reason I didn't record an episode the last couple of weeks, um, I shared on episode 30 that I've been having some concerning vision problems. And I've had a couple of um, appointments since I last recorded. So the bad news is that I continue to have the same symptoms that I was struggling with. In my right eye, I've been losing partial vision for a few seconds and it comes and goes. And I had one episode a couple of weeks ago where I had some really excruciating pain in my right temple area. And as I had that pain, I also started to lose vision in my right eye. And then as the pain subsided, the vision came back as well. So that's the bad news that I continue to struggle with this weird vision loss that comes and goes and it only lasts for a couple seconds. And usually it's not associated with pain. Um, But the good news is I've been to my OBGYN. They're continuing to monitor the situation. I have now met with two different retinal specialists. I had a visual field test, which came back totally normal. And um, the second doctor who I saw, both of the retinal specialists decided that nothing emergent was going on, that all of my anatomy inside of my eye looked fine. The optometrist thought that perhaps something vascular was going on, and that's why I went to go see the retinal specialist. But there's no evidence that um, anything is detaching. I don't have any tears. There's nothing going on like that. So the second doctor, the retinal specialist, decided that um, maybe I was having what are called ocular migraines. Basically, that just means that I'm having these visual disturbances that are often associated with migraine headaches. But um, some of you might get migraines with the aura, the visual changes that happen ahead of time that signal that a migraine is coming on. Ocular migraines happen um, without pain associated with them. At least that's how it was explained to me. So there's really nothing to do at this point. I am just supposed to continue to monitor this vision problem that I'm having. And often during pregnancy, women will have these vision changes, although this is new for me. So that's why I thought it was concerning. I've had migraines before with each of my pregnancies, and it seems like I get more and more with each pregnancy. And I had two in the first trimester for this time around, and I actually just had another one, um, yesterday. So, um, I, I'm just supposed to continue to monitor things. And if I lose vision for an extended period of time, and if it's associated with pain, then at that point I'm supposed to follow up with the retinal specialist and my OBGYN, but there's nothing that is seemingly emergent going on, but it's concerning. I'm, (laughs) I'd be lying if I said, that I was completely satisfied with that because with pregnancy, you're always more concerned about what's going on with your health because it's not just me anymore. It's me and this preborn baby that we're talking about. So just want to make sure I'm doing my due diligence. I'm confident that there's nothing emergent 
going on. Uh, the doctor did say that if it progressively gets worse and if I am having pain, that he encourages me to go and see a neuro-ophthalmologist, who, of course, is not here in town. They would be about an hour away. Um, but to see if there's something that could be done to improve things in terms of not having these ocular migraines happen as often, if that's truly what's going on. But he said, so long as things stay the same, there's not really much that could be done. But if I continue to have the symptoms after pregnancy to go ahead and get it checked out. So that's where we are with all of that. But some fun, really great news is that at my last OBGYN appointment, we got to have our 20-week anatomy ultrasound, and baby is looking awesome. The doctor had no concerns about baby's health or development, and as with all of our other babies, this one is measuring on the rather huge side. <laughs> In fact, baby was 99th percentile. Now, I know those measurements on those ultrasounds aren't always terribly accurate. Um, so they've actually moved my due date up from March 20th to the 14th. But stay tuned. As we all know, those things can change significantly toward the end of pregnancy. But that's what we're looking at for right now, March 14th. So beware the Ides of March. It could be a really exciting spring over here. And also, uh, the other reason, one of the other reasons I didn't record this time of year is always really bittersweet for our family. It was during the first week of November in 2012 that we found out that our third baby, Therese, had died in the womb at 12 weeks. And we found that out on All Souls Day. And then I started to miscarry Therese at home a couple of days later. And I thought at first, a couple of weeks ago, that I was going to record an episode about what the actual miscarriage experience was all about. And, um, and I think I'd like to do that at some point in the future. But I realized that I still have a whole lot of healing that I need to work on in that area. Um. It was a really traumatic experience. It wasn't a, there's no such thing as a quote unquote typical miscarriage because as we know, every life is precious and individual and irrepeatable. But my situation was a little bit traumatic medically because things quickly escalated at home and I ended up having to have Philip take me to the emergency room because I was hemor hemorrhaging so badly and I had to have an emergency DNC. So I had hoped to have an episode. That was my plan to talk about the miscarriage and then decided against it at the last minute because there are still some things that I'm unpacking with all of that. So that was another part of the reason I didn't have an episode for you. The other reason was because Philip and I were getting ready to go out of town. Philip is, as you all know, a pediatrician, and he's part of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and he was attending a conference for the AAP in Orlando, and I got to tag along. 
And so, as you can imagine, things were kind of chaotic with trying to get the kids situated and give our awesome babysitter the instructions that she needed and so on and so forth. So, um, that's probably the biggest reason why I didn't have a podcast episode for you last week. But the trip was awesome. It was nice to get away for a little while. The weather in Orlando didn't cooperate for some of the time. It was a little bit rainy and cloudy. But honestly, leaving Nebraska this time of year was a-okay with me. Although they did have some beautiful weather as far as Nebraska goes. Back home, they had, I think it was in the 50s and even 60s, a couple of days. But I got to just bring a whole stack of books and read the whole time while Philip was at his conferences. We had some awesome dinners, just the two of us. And then we got to meet up with some of his colleagues. And one evening of the conference, the AAP actually had all of Universal Studios' Islands of Adventure closed off just for those who were attending the conference. And some of you may know that this is where the Harry Potter world and Hogwarts and all of that is. And I am embarrassed to say that before this year, I never read Harry Potter. And we knew that this trip was coming up, and this is the whole reason why Philip was bullying me into finally reading all of the Harry Potter books. So when we left for the trip, I was in the middle of book six, and I had a lot of ways, I had a ways to go, but I finished book seven the day we went to Universal Studios. I had 12 and a half hours remaining on the audiobook for book seven. That's the last book in the series. I had 12 and a half hours remaining when I woke up the day we were going to the park. So (laughs) I don't recommend this unless you were in a situation like I was. I listened to to the book at two and a half speed. If you have ever listened to an audiobook at two and a half speed, it's not an optimal listening experience. It got the job done, but I had heart palpitations and I was so stressed out listening to it like that. Philip, for whatever reason, he listens to his podcasts. He listens to radio shows. He listens to everything at like two times speed, but I cannot handle that. So if I had not been under a time crunch, I would have given the awesome narrator, Jim Dale, the regular one-time speed and gotten to enjoy his performance of that book, which was phenomenal, by the way. But it was so much fun to get to go to Harry Potter World. And I mean, let's face it, there will probably never be another time in our lives when Philip and I are at a Disney park without kids. So it was pretty fun. Um... And we went to one of the gift shops, Ollivander. He's the wand guy in Harry Potter. And we bought everyone in the family their own wand. So my favorite character from Harry Potter is Molly Weasley, mother of a large brood of redheaded kiddos. Um, So I got a wand for Molly Weasley. And we even got a wand for baby. Baby got uh, Ginny Weasley, 
and all of the other kids got their favorite characters. So that was pretty fun. So that is my long way of saying that I've had a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and I appreciate you being patient with me. But daytime, my nausea continues to be way better than it has been. Evenings have still been rough. I thought last, oh, let's see, it was two weeks ago, I would try cutting back to only taking one of my pills to not feel sick during the day, having my dose of my anti-nausea medicine, but oh dear, that was not a good decision, and I definitely need to keep up on the full uh, the full dose of having my medicine on around the clock, but hopefully I'll be able to wean myself off of my medicine here in a couple of weeks. Evenings are still kind of a struggle, but overall it has been night and day compared to where I was, but you can probably tell by the audio of the podcast that I am already at 22 weeks struggling to catch my breath (laughs) as I'm talking. So bear with me here with the uh, quality of my delivery of each podcast episode. This week, I thought I would talk about some just general holiday mental health tips that I have gained in my 10 years of marriage. Um, I'm sure I'll laugh at this episode 10 years from now, just thinking about how much I will have learned between now and then. But I thought I'd just share things that I've learned along the way and ways that I've come to learn to appreciate and have more peace during the holiday times. And Advent is going to be just a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving. This year, the first Sunday of Advent is December 2nd. So I thought I would just share a couple of tips. And at the end, I'd love to hear your feedback on things that I might have missed or things that you want to add on. So let's go ahead and jump in. Okay, number one, have healthy expectations. It may be Thanksgiving, and yes, it is a special time, but people do not magically change just because it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever holiday you might be celebrating. Your children are still your children. Your husband is still your husband. Your family is still your family. Your in-laws are still your in-laws. And most importantly, you are still you. You will not suddenly have an infinite amount of patience because it's Christmas morning. And your two-year-old will not suddenly be able to sit still or eat a perfect meal or forego a nap and be a perfectly behaved cherub. (laughs) So have healthy, reasonable expectations for yourself, for your family, and for all of the people that you're going to be celebrating with for the holiday. People do not magically change just because it's the holiday. We are still who we are, and that is okay. Second, Treat everyone in your family, including yourself, like a toddler. So what do I mean by that, by treating yourself and everyone in your family like a toddler? I mean, meet some primary needs. Make sure everyone's getting enough sleep. Make sure when people are hungry that they're being fed. Make sure everyone is getting the affection and attention that they need. 
build in some downtime. Don't be going, going, going like the Energizer Bunny all day long and expect everyone to be okay with that. And whenever possible, whenever it's reasonable, try to maintain your routine. Because every toddler depends on a routine to be happy. And during the holidays, when things can be a little bit wackadoodle, you're not doing your regular thing, just try to build in those anchors that you have in your schedule so that your kids especially can have something to depend on to make them feel a little bit more secure. Okay, so number one, have healthy expectations. Number two, treat everyone in your family like a toddler. Number three, know your limits and your family's limits. Discuss them with your spouse and then be advocates for yourselves. Know your limits, know your family's limits, discuss them with your spouse and be advocates for yourselves. Okay, so what do I mean by this? I mean, if your family wants to get together right in the middle of nap time, don't agree to arrive right in the middle of nap time. Say that everyone else can meet at that time and you might have to meet later. And that's okay. The holiday will not fall apart if your family arrives an hour later than everyone else, so long as you have communicated this with everyone ahead of time. Or don't agree to stay well past bedtime. Especially if it's Christmas Eve, you will just be setting yourselves up for a disaster. And besides, you probably have uh, Santa arriving Christmas Eve evening to set up his workshop in your basement, and you probably need that time (laughs) to get things situated um, in your home, or at least Santa does. So don't agree to stay at a family gathering well past bedtime. You want your kids to be well rested that evening so that the next day, which probably involves a different family gathering, will be peaceful. Make sure you clarify your rough expectations ahead of time and communicate what yours are as well. This is especially important in the early years of marriage because the family of origin thing is real. You had a very different way of celebrating Christmas than your husband's family did, probably. And so if you have an expectation that the holidays are going to go a certain way and he has an idea that it's going to be something else, talk about that because one of you might have grown up in a family where things were very formal. There was a sit down dinner and something like that. Another one of you might have just had a, an evening where you had carry out pizza and everyone wore jeans and it was super casual and there were a couple of gifts and that was it. So just be clear on what your expectations are ahead of time and communicate with each other really well, so that when you find yourselves in a situation where things are a little bit sticky and things get stickier as kids join the picture, for example, if your kids are used to eating dinner at 5.30, but the adults in the family are used to eating closer to 7 p.m., maybe see if the kids can eat earlier. Maybe the kids can eat separate from the adults and not have to wait that long if the adults are not willing to move mealtime up earlier. 
Or maybe you can be more flexible. Maybe you can consider having, if there are appetizers, allowing the kids to have some snacks and kind of graze on things and then accept that they're probably not going to eat the typical dinner because they've gorged themselves on shrimp cocktail or the veggie platter that's been out because they were so hungry and they didn't want to wait to eat. That's fine. Also, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You can't please everyone. And yes, it is loving and nice to honor all of the family's wishes whenever possible and reasonable. But you have your own family now. And it is so important that you put your family and your family's needs first. Now, this means you can't allow any family members to guilt trip you into pushing your family past its limits because then you'll end up with kids that have had way too much sugar, they're exhausted, and then they're still expected to be perfectly behaved children. And that just sets everyone up for disaster. So yes, try to be honoring what the different families are wanting of you and your children, but also don't allow anyone to guilt trip you into doing something that you know is going to make the holiday truly miserable for your family. But that being said, be willing to be flexible-ish. If you have to shorten nap time, that's fine. If you need to push lunch back by 45 minutes, no problem. If the kids are going to eat some extra sweets and stay up later, fine. A couple of times a year, it's not going to ruin your lives. But if your kids are going, going, going with back-to-back-to-back holiday gatherings, You have to put your foot down at some point. Otherwise, your kids are going to be miserable and you're going to be miserable and no one is going to enjoy the holidays. Not you, not your spouse, not the kids, and certainly not the family members who are not used to being around a bunch of young kiddos. So help to set everyone up for success. There might be some hurt feelings that you're not there right on time or you're not able to stay until the bitter end (laughs) at 11.30 at night on Christmas Eve. But you need to be the advocate for your family and to be okay with that and to be comfortable with that. And you and your spouse are going to need to discuss those scenarios ahead of time so that you're on the same page. And when things come up, maybe your husband is used to staying until 11.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and that's how he just thought it was going to go down. But you're you're suddenly a married couple, and you have a two-year-old who's not able to hang with you until 11.30 p.m. You're going to have to figure out ways to adjust expectations and work through those together and to prepare your families whenever possible for those kinds of things. Even a simple comment that's as easy as, We'll probably head out a little bit earlier than usual this year because, let's say your two-year-old's name is Jack, because Jack's going to be tired, but we're going to plan to stay until nine o'clock, but we want to make sure and head home so that he can get some good rest. It doesn't have to be a long explanation. You don't have to explain every little thing you do, but it's helpful to set the tone for what your expectations are for the evening and to communicate that so that there aren't any surprises when it's the day of. 
And also, I think it's really helpful when you're considering the number of families that are involved to think about getting creative. Maybe there are ways that your family can celebrate the holiday that will make it a little bit more peaceful for everyone. In some families, that means they have an on year or an off year. Some years they celebrate Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day with one family. And then the next year is the off year and they celebrate a different day, maybe the weekend before or the weekend after the holiday with the other family. So think about maybe, especially if you have a really large family like mine, I'm the fifth out of six kids. My family has decided it's a much higher priority to make sure we have as many people there in attendance as possible, that that's the higher priority to get to see everyone on the holiday instead of having to have it on Christmas Day every year. So maybe your family can think about a creative solution, um, a way to make sure that you can get to see as much of each other as possible But maybe it doesn't have to be Christmas Day. Maybe it can be a different time. And then that way you can ensure that more people can be there. Because if you have a lot of adult siblings that are married, they will also have in-laws. Some of those families will still have separate gatherings with their grandparents and so on. So things tend to get a little bit more complicated with larger families. So maybe it's time to start thinking about getting creative. Okay, so let's recap what we have so far. Number one, healthy expectations. People don't change magically because it's the holiday. Number two, treat everyone in your family, including yourself, like a toddler. Number three, know your limits, your family's limits, discuss them with your spouse, and then be advocates for yourselves. Okay, on to number four. Plan ahead and do things little by little. This is especially important for a holiday like Christmas, which when you're a young mom, it can feel absolutely larger than life. And for today's episode, I'm just going to share a couple of things that you can start doing now, and I'll share more ideas as we get closer to Christmas. But I just want to share, I don't want to overwhelm you. (laughs) That's not the goal. The goal is just to get you to start thinking about Christmas and thinking about the little tiny baby steps you can be doing so that hopefully the whole goal, for me, the goal of doing it ahead of time is to make sure that Advent can truly be a time of preparation and focusing on what the holiday is all about. And it's taken me, oh man, I'd say it took me at least eight years to feel like I had a handle on how to do the whole Christmas thing without completely losing my mind at least once (laughs) during the Advent season. So I've created little checklists of things that have helped me to stay more organized and to break down all of the different things that have to be done to make it more manageable. So for things that you could be doing right now to make the whole season feel more manageable, number one, go out and buy your Advent candles right now. The first Sunday of Advent is December 2nd. So you can either order those things on Amazon, go to your local Catholic bookstore, 
go to Hobby Lobby or another craft store, maybe Target has them, you need three purple candles and one pink pink candle. Some people light the white Christ candle in the middle of their wreath. Mine just has the four spots for a, um, what do you even call them? Tapered candles. So our local Catholic bookstore sells those. I usually buy them on the Small Business Saturday event because that's a great day to support your local Catholic bookstore. Don't mind Monty. Okay, get your Advent candles now or next week. Second thing, Christmas cards. Don't let this huge task stress you out. And if you're where I was last year and (laughs) you had a crazy teething toddler and life felt overwhelming, forget the dang Christmas card. It doesn't have to happen every year. But if you're doing a Christmas card this year, if you were organized enough to get the photo shoot, (laughs) and I saw this hilarious meme that I shared with our photographer friend that did our pictures for this year. It said something like, behind every... Christmas photo shoot is a mom threatening to take away all of the fun and joy unless everyone smiles. (laughs) And it's so true. (laughs) So hopefully you have a picture that you can use for your Christmas card. If you do, awesome. Go ahead and start creating that thing now. Order the card next week. This week, your only task is to work on finding everyone's addresses so that you have those ready to go. And then, in a few weeks, make it fun. Set aside an evening when you and your husband can have an evening to watch your current Netflix binge show or a favorite movie, and you can stuff the envelopes and stick the labels on them and then be done with it and put everything in the mail. Okay, gifts. This can be a big stressor for a lot of people. And something that's really helped me is to start creating lists of everyone that you're going to be giving a gift to for the year. Now, bonus points if you've been jotting down ideas of gifts that you want to give everyone throughout the year. But if you haven't, no big deal. But it is really helpful to have a list of all of the people that you are regularly going to be giving gifts to so that you don't have to rack your brain. And that sounds like something that should be so easy to think about, but after you've been doing this for a while and your kids get older, you start to realize there are so many people that maybe get forgotten. And so it's helpful to have the list of teachers, the mail carrier, the school secretary, your parish priest, all of the various relatives, your godchildren, etc, etc, etc. So have the list of everyone that you're going to be giving a gift to. And it is my goal to have everything ordered, and if possible, delivered and wrapped by the time Advent starts. I do not know how I did Christmas before Amazon Prime, but Amazon Prime did almost all of Christmas last year. And I, if you are like me and you're type A, I had a spreadsheet that had a list of all of the, the people who were receiving gifts, what the gift was, when it, when it was ordered or purchased, if it has been delivered 
and if it was wrapped or not. And when all of those things were completed, I checked each column. So that's something that has also helped me to stay organized. Um, Also, something that's really important to remember, especially when it comes to gifts for your kids, don't stress out about it. The kids are going to remember the overall feeling of what the holiday was like, and it's not going to be all about the gifts. Just think about back on your childhood. There might have been like, for me, those big special moment gifts, like when I got my play kitchen when I was in preschool or when I was a little bit older and I got a geo safari. Those kinds of things stand out, but it's not about those things. That's not what your kids are going to think of the most. If you're, if you're stressed out and miserable trying to make it the quote unquote perfect day, the kids are going to remember stressed out and miserable mama instead of the picture perfectness of the day. So don't get wrapped up on the gifts. And keep the gifts limited. They're going to be getting probably gifts from the extended family members. And so you don't have to put all this pressure on yourself to have all of the perfect gifts coming from you and your husband. And that's not what the focus of the day should be about, in my opinion, anyway. So just keep those things in mind. And this is really important. You can encourage parents and in-laws to go in a certain direction for gifts. And in fact, some families maybe want lists of gift ideas or really explicit instructions on what the grandkids want. There is a growing trend to ask grandparents for the experience gifts, things like a fun weekend getaway with grandma and grandpa to go somewhere or Um, swim lessons or zoo memberships or museum memberships. And some of your parents or your in-laws might be on board with this idea and maybe you'll suggest it. But if they're not on board with that, let them give the gifts they want how they want. You might be a minimalist and get stressed out by the number of gifts that you're hauling home from the various family gatherings. I understand. I go crazy if there's a lot of clutter in my home. However, you cannot let this dampen the holidays. If gift giving is a certain family member's love language, let them do their thing. If the worst thing that happens is having to make a return or letting the darn thing come and live at your house until it gets ignored a week later, then so be it. It is not worth hurting that family member's feelings over a gift. And then something you can do to make all of that easier on yourself anyway is to do a toy purge ahead of time. That's something you could be doing with your kids this week or next week to make room for a new gift that they're going to be getting for Christmas. Do a toy purge right now. Take it to your local charity. For us, that would be the local Catholic Social Services thrift shop. Um, and also some a general guideline. We tell our kids that it's time to donate things when we get to the point that they're no longer picking things up and we're spending more time picking things up than we're playing. So if your family room, your play area is starting to get out of control, tell the kids it's time to donate some stuff. Also, you do not need to feel guilty for donating things that are fairly new 
or feel guilty for exchanging gifts for things that your family will actually use or can enjoy together. Maybe the gift wasn't a perfect fit for your family, and that is totally fine. I don't think you need to feel any guilt about that. So be at peace when you're hauling all of this stuff home. It's not the end of the world. It's your family member's way of showing love to your family. So try to be grateful for what the gesture itself means. Um, Also, think about opening up the conversation of what your family wants to do as far as approaching adult gift exchanges. In my side of the family, since we're so big, we decided that it was really expensive and no longer realistic to do a gift exchange, even though for the past several years we had been doing just drawing names. But we all decided we don't really need any more stuff, so we just stopped exchanging gifts among the adult kids in my family. But Philip's side is a lot smaller, so we still exchange gifts for each family member, and that's completely reasonable. But maybe you want to think about switching things up if things have gotten to the point where it's a financial burden for families to try and get a gift for all of the adults. Maybe the adults can come together and come to an agreement on that. And as far as the kids go, something really fun that we've been doing, instead of having all of the aunts and uncles buy a gift for all of the nieces and nephews, we have made it a tradition that the godparents will get a gift for godchildren. And then we have all of the nieces and nephews draw a cousin's name at Thanksgiving and they purchase a book for the cousin because in my opinion, there's no such thing as too many books. So we just do a book exchange and it's a simple way for the cousins to still exchange gifts. And it also gets the aunts and uncles off the hook from having to buy a present for every single person. We still acknowledge birthdays for the nieces and nephews, but this way we're not also having to do a gift for the many nieces and nephews that we have as well. That's it for my general tips. I'll share more on how we approach Advent and the Christmas season over the next few weeks. But that's what I came up with. I'll go ahead and quickly recap. Okay, so for your holiday mental health tips. Number one, have healthy expectations. People do not magically change because of the holiday. Number two, Treat everyone in your family, including yourself, like a toddler. Make sure those primary needs are getting met. Number three, know your limits, your family's limits, discuss them with your spouse, and advocate for yourselves. Number four, plan ahead and do things little by little. A couple of the things I rattled off, get the advent candles, work on the tasks related to the Christmas card, figure out who needs a gift, who you're planning on giving a gift to, and start making the orders and keeping track of what's been ordered, what's been wrapped, what's been delivered. And see if maybe you want to change the gift-giving philosophy among the adults for the nieces and nephews or for the grandkids or how you would like your parents or in-laws to approach gift giving for your kids. 
that's what I came up with off the top of my head. I know I missed some things and I, like I said, plan to get into the specifics of Advent and Christmas a little bit more in the coming weeks, but I would love to hear from you. Please get in touch. What are your holiday mental health tips and strategies? What did I forget? Do you have anything you want to add to my tips? Please email them to me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. Also, if you have a shine a light story, let me know how I can share it on the podcast. Next week, I'll have my husband, Dr. Philip Boucher, Catholic dad and pediatrician extraordinaire back on the show to answer your questions. Please send whatever parenting or pediatric related questions you have my way, and I'll be sure to try and pass them along to Philip on the show next week. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends. Our audience continues to grow each week, and I know it's because of word of mouth from all of you awesome listeners. So thank you for that. Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.